0: The Stalk Talks podcast brings you intelligent discussions of topical issues inspired by the international city of peace and justice. I think we all know what we need to do.
1: Problems, they come like a costume. They fit you.
0: Remove our inner critic and open our inner, you know, curiosity. eh?
1: You know,
2: nothing speaks louder than money.
0: Walk in, slam your fist on the table, say. (laughs) Yeah.
2: We have to work together. <laughs> Something has to change.
0: Now we've heard a lot about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies on the news lately.
2: Mastercard recently announced that they would accept cryptocurrencies, while Tesla has invested 1.5 billion in Bitcoin. So,
0: what is all the fuss about? Yeah. What exactly is blockchain, and should we be careful when it comes to cryptocurrencies?
2: Tay El Rajula joins us today on Stalk Talks to explain. Tay, welcome and thank you so much for being with us here today.
1: Thank you for the invite and uh, good morning.
2: Now, Tay, you describe your mission in life as, quote, turning invisible people into invincible ones. How, how do you do that and where does blockchain come in?
1: Turning invisible children into invincible ones came from actually after I lived in the refugee camps in the Netherlands for two years. I saw firsthand what does the lack of an identity does to a person, knowing that I'm born in Kuwait and I lost my birth certificate during the Gulf War. But I was blessed to have a birth certificate issued for for me at birth. During the refugee camp, Times I realized that, hey, there's a lot of children who were born during the war in Syria and there was no documents issued for them. And it was very difficult for the immigration services in the Netherlands to identify and to basically link the children to their mothers or to their fathers or to their families even in a, a legal manner. So they had to go for DNA tests. They had to go for bone marrow tests. And that, that, this was a very costly and long process. So family reunions took months and sometimes years to, uh, to process simply because of that missing yeah, legal link. And it's not only important to establish a legal link between the, the child and, and his father or, or her father or her mother, uh, but also to uh, establish it on on paper in a transparent manner.
2: Many of us think of identity, we take it for granted, to be honest. I think many, many certainly in the developed world, that you just take the fact that you have a passport or can apply for a passport very easily, should you wish to have one. But where does blockchain fit in to, to the fact that if you're not lucky enough to have an identity or indeed that may result yeah. in statelessness, how can blockchain help?
1: Indeed. The marriage between blockchain and identity, I started working on it back in 2015. Uh, I was doing my master's in digital currencies and blockchain technology at the University of Nicosia, and we had to research that topic. You know, based from my experience losing my birth certificate and, again, seeing what happened in, in the camps, the fact that there was no record keeper anymore to prove the existence of a certain document, it was an inspiration to look into the marriage between, okay, can we, can we benefit from blockchain and identity? Can we timestamp a certain event and register it in a way that it could not be frauded, it could not be deleted, and it could not be lost? And this is where blockchain comes to play.
0: Yeah, so maybe quickly to, to reiterate, how does this blockchain specifically do that? How does it make sure that something is registered and, and cannot be falsified?
1: Yes, yes. So here comes the most difficult part that everyone faces, explaining what is blockchain. In the past times, I have uh, used an acronym to let everyone understand why this is so superior, why blockchain is so superior. We all know James Bond, the famous double-seven. We, do. <laughs> we take out James and we put the letter I, or you put yourself, then it becomes I-Bond. And I-Bond stands for a type of network or a type of database or a type of simply technology. That is I, immutable, B, borderless, O, open, N, neutral, and D, distributed or decentralized. The moment we have such type of way or method in registering a simple event and we back it up by cryptographic evidence, we back it up by mathematics, we back it up on sciences, and we create this network of borderless, open, neutral, and decentralized record keeping, then we are able to have to prove the existence of a certain document, like a moment of birth or a moment of death, a moment of marriage. And because this event is registered on such the iBond record keeper, the blockchain record keeper, then there is no central point in tampering or deleting with with such uh, evidence and that's why it becomes so powerful now that doesn't mean if i register something on blockchain it becomes true no it simply says hey you have done this registration if you're lying about it we can know and if you know if you say the truth about it as well we can know so it increases the level of accountability it increases the level of transparency and it makes it pushes people to think twice before registering a bad claim, because once you do that, you can't take it back.
0: Tom, I think you had a question about this. Yeah, this This is what I want to touch upon, because um, I really like the acronym IBOND, and one element I want to highlight specifically is the the D in IBOND, is the decentralization, because blockchain, in that sense, what it does, it makes sure there's information stored on many different computers rather than on one big one.
1: 100%, think of day born in Kuwait, The birth registries got destroyed, they got burned, and it was all in one place. So now on my driving license, it's written I'm born in unknown because simply I cannot have a document, a proof that I was born in Kuwait exactly and this is what i think is also interesting about this
0: because when we have this discussion about the decentralization there's clear benefits as described there but simultaneously there's counter arguments so for example blockchain technology because it is decentralized it requires a vast more amount of computers and computing power so for example where and and, and as such also requires vast more amounts of energy so for example a, a single bitcoin transaction uses according to the uh, digi Economist about the same electricity as four hundred and fifty-three thousand visa transactions so how do we reconcile these two opposites with for example blockchain and the potential and the benefits in cryptocurrencies with for example the concerns in energy usage
1: yes so what blockchain is coming to provide people is a way that they can all agree on a single source of information that is distributed all around the world now how do we come to such consensus there is Multiple ways for it. One of those ways is use computational power of computers. And this is where I mentioned the word proof of work. So the computer is consuming electricity. It is running these computations. It is running these calculations. And it is matching those calculations what every other computer around the world is doing. And when I say computer, I'm not talking about your laptop. I'm talking about dedicated hardware that only performs this calculation or only performs this uh, mathematical equation. So yes, there is a consumption of electricity, but it can be done in other ways where you don't consume electricity for it, but you consume what we call your buy-in, how much stake do you have in this uh, network. My preference is always to go for what we call the hard proof, the proof that we have worked for, that we have put sweat blood and tears in because this what becomes valuable now of course computers they do not have blood and tears and sweat but they consume this electricity and they transform this consumption into something valuable that is verifying that there has been no tamper or no change in the chain of events that led us to this day and remember It is happening nonstop, 24 hours, 365 days in a year. And it's happening from day one, 99.8% uptime. It did not went down.
2: Is this what people mean by mining Bitcoin?
1: Yes. This is when when we talk about mining the cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Basically, the computer is being rewarded for this energy consumption. And remember when we're specifically mentioning bitcoin mining and the consumption of electricity we are mentioning all activities what a banking what a bank does so whether it's issuing storing sending receiving distributing all these activities that that a bank is performing today we are capable of running it on a simple piece of software yeah it is not as simple as people think but if i want to compare what Fort Knox does in saving wealth, previously the gold. If I want to compare in the Netherlands what ING, ABN, and Rabu consume in electricity, their huge buildings, their infrastructures, their cars, the the diesel that we use to uh, distribute cash into cash machines. You know, it, we can go really, really, really deep into... So So, so coming back to the question, Teh, basically what you're saying is, is regardless
0: of the energy consumption, the benefits outweigh the cost of this energy. So yes, there is energy concerns. Yes, it will require yes, more, but it's worthwhile exactly. because That's of what we get from. That's my personal
1: opinion on it, Tom, uh, 100%. That's my personal opinion on it. Many people disagree with that.
2: But I, I, but I take your point about the fact that banks also use energy.
1: Yeah, I go always to the fact that don't look at the consumption look at what banks as well and financial institutions as well consume to achieve more or less the same result but even furthermore they discriminate against your skin color against your age against your race against everything else when you want to be financially included while Mm -hmm. now i have a piece of software that i can just download on my smartphone and i press a few buttons and there i'm connected to a 1 trillion dollar market cap
2: okay tay i think what you raise here is the is kind of there's two sides to this of course, of course it's great that it's inclusive but it also possibly means inclusive for nefarious elements of course. and i think that's where yeah i think this is where it's so tough um but but just to move on then a little bit and now you've said that bitcoin is not currency it's the internet of money and i'd i'd like you to tell us a little bit more about that statement but i also want to while we're talking about the pros and the cons of blockchain and Bitcoin, I wanted to draw your attention to comments by people who know quite a lot about the subject. I quote Nuriel Rubini, a professor at New York's University Stern School of Business, who has said very recently that Bitcoin has, quote, no value and is a
1: bubble. If uh, we were to record this talk in 1989, 1990, and we were to discuss what email is going to change in organizations and what e- and what internet is going to change in stock markets. People will tell you, yeah, you cannot send a picture over the internet. You cannot upload a video over the internet. And today we are more or less hearing the same sentiments. They're not coming out of fear. They're more coming out of lack of knowledge and of misinformation.
2: We assume that this man, this professor, has some knowledge. So there there must be more to it than
1: that. 100%. He has some knowledge to his context. But I doubt that this man lived in a refugee camp for two years and (laughs) used his smartphone to be financially included to feel the reward of this technology. Yes, there is a bubble. Yes, prices go up and down. But the value of Bitcoin is in the solution, in the technology, in the offering that it is bringing in creating this immutable, borderless, open, neutral, and decentralized type of record keeping. The natural application is money because money is record keeping. And throughout the human history, and Rubini knows that as well, there has been a lot of fraud and a lot of Misuse by those third parties that are controlling the record keep so now that we have neutrality in bringing the record keeping out yeah nobody can imagine what the future is gonna look like in bitcoin and cryptocurrencies because in 1990 no one saw facebook coming no one saw twitter coming you know even kodak they didn't think they will be out of business And look where we are today.
0: Yeah, I think um, what might be a good comparison, because you mentioned the internet before, and just like the internet, it had a widespread application. So there were benefits to the internet, there's downside to the internet, and it's the same here. 100% Um, uh,
1: Tom, 100%. It is simply simply put in 15 seconds. Internet changed how we communicate. And money is a way to communicate value in a given context. The -hmm. context today is the internet. It's the largest economy on earth, the most visited place on earth. And this place and this geography needs a type of money, and that's why, yes, the money of the internet today is Bitcoin and is crypto.
2: Well, you you, you make a compelling case, Tay.
0: Absolutely, and I think what's interesting because there, there's so much nuance, and that's exactly why we want to make it very clear what you're talking about and what we're not talking about. And in some ways because the currency is also decentralized some people might say okay we're giving power back to the people everybody has their control over their own computers over their own system etc and some of that also comes with financial transactions you described it let's say blockchain technology continues and at some point we won't need banks anymore to keep track and this is actually something that you're working on correct me if i'm wrong it's flus it's being able to do peer-to-peer money exchange to help users make financial transactions without the help of banks or financial intermediaries. So why is this such an important thing to consider?
1: Because in the context where we started the flus in Lebanon, we saw how the banks have confiscated the money of the people. Their hard-earned U.S. dollars and Lebanese lira suddenly where it doesn't belong to them anymore, it belongs to the bank. And the bank is support a uh, deficit in the government. So we know that you're putting money in a a hand that has an empty hole in it and nothing has changed. So we somehow provided people with an alternative, an alternative to a devaluating local currency with approximately 85 to 90 percent of its value is gone. Now there is an alternative where they don't have to trust the bank anymore to save their money. But they do have to trust mathematics, sciences, and the white paper that solved a problem in computer science, a problem in record keeping. So there is a similar sentiment in Europe and in the U.S. where banks are not giving earnings or interest on your saving account. So today you have to pay the bank to save your money, while it was the other way around that the bank needs to pay you because you're saving the money with them. Combine those two factors together, you will have this common thread that we have to look into the future of money, digital money, money of the internet, internet of money. It is this big title that needs some sort of you know new innovation, and we have to be disruptive. We we cannot build it incrementally or wait, be positive for things to to change and to happen, you have to take the change by yourself in your hand. Is that perhaps the the difficulty in
0: this conversation in the sense of some rich Western countries with perhaps a more stable system see it as like, well, why would we need it? What is the difficulty? What is the problem? Whereas, like you said, in these stressful situations where it, it has been created, it provides a solution to a problem. It's a it's a completely different viewpoint on the same technology. It's a necessity. It's a a
1: something that that needs to be implemented just
0: for something to function.
1: And those two groups today they are meeting at one point. This person in Lebanon who the bank, you know, I don't want to use bad words, but yeah, they've screwed the people. And at this at the same time, this European man is as well questioning. Hey, I'm putting my pension and my savings now in the bank, and I'm not getting anything. I have to pay the bank. So they met at this point. On, on, okay, guys, what do we do now? Yeah, we have to look for an alternative. We have to look at somewhere where I can earn money without being confiscated, and I earn money without being shaved by the person who is sa- saving it for me.
2: Okay. Maybe, maybe Tay, we can just move on a little bit. We've spoken a lot about Bitcoin, which is a cryptocurrency, but there are other digital currencies. And I think this is also fascinating because we're talking about the banks and the big institutions. Now, China, for example, the, the Chinese Communist Party, more specifically, has invested heavily in the digital one. And this is like a national digital currency, and they are promoting it quite, uh, quite aggressively amongst the Chinese population. I believe that India is pursuing something similar. So, this is sort of the other side where big financial institutions and governments are are kind of getting on board with, with digital currencies. Do you see national currencies going digital in the future? And if so, how do you think that will work out and how do we start to regulate all of that?
1: Yeah, very important uh, question. And I think this is, is coming a lot today. We're hearing it from regulators, lawyers, politicians. They're afraid of this New cryptocurrency bitcoin thing, they're talking about yeah, digital currencies is the big white title. Under it comes cryptocurrencies, under it comes maybe the currency that you play your game with, all these things. And we're hearing now a new turn central bank digital currencies that means CBDCs. As a central bank, you are entitled to do KYC, you're entitled to, to take and collect information about your user you have to do that by law. And this is not what, this is my at least main concern between a CBDC and between a cryptocurrency. There is one type of digital currency that there is barriers to entry to use it, your ID, your residency, your place of birth, your date of birth. And there is one that simply, you can access anytime, whoever you are, just have an internet and a smartphone and you are able to be included. But keep in mind, regulation sometimes is good as well because it protects the yeah, full money. The early incumbents of this tech and the people who have no experience, they don't know what they're doing. I mean,
2: I hear you. There is there is that. There are some people who've been led by the nose. But there are also people who say, yes, I might be interested in investing, but how do I know my currency is not being used to fund terrorism or how do we check these things out because it is concerning
1: i tell always those people you never check your euro in your hand in your pocket (laughs) true it has been used to buy something illegal or illicit before Uh, we just take the money out of the cash out of our pocket and we pay with it if i may quickly interject tay because you're right is we don't do that
0: but we also can't do that but for example, with blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, is we actually have the ability to do that. So there comes the, the tracking aspect and being able to see these
1: transactions. 100%. But that is, that is not the purpose. The purpose of blockchain technology is not to track transactions and say, yeah, this is a white transaction, this is a black transaction. No, it is making transactions accessible for everyone. And when I say everyone, that means everyone. That means terrorists, pedophiles, drug dealers, saints. Priests, sheikhs, imams, students, mothers, refugees, everyone. Because today the cash in our pocket is for everyone. And Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are not, you know, designed to be like digital money of a bank. No, it is designed to be digital cash. And digital cash means you don't look who used it before. It's non-fungible. Any type of Payment that I do with crypto must be equal to any other type of payment that has been done on this network. Regardless if you bought drugs with it or you bought pizza with it, the result must be the same. Very nice. I think
0: think there's so much more that we could talk about. But uh, one of the questions and one of the statements you made is that you want to become a, a Bitcoin billionaire. Um, and our question of course is, is, how does one go about doing that? But simultaneously also the caution to it in a sense of, well, some people have lost their life savings to like the, the vagaries of the crypto indexes. So how are you going to go about doing that? And, and what should we keep, uh, uh, keep in
1: mind? The concept of being a millionaire or a billionaire changed uh, in time. And today it is no longer about putting a billion dollars in your bank account. It is about the lives of people How do you influence that? Can you influence it positively? Can you improve their lives? From my group, people who are like me, invisible, that means they don't have an ID. They don't have a chance. Because of your skin color, you might not be able to get a job. Because of your status, you might not be able to work. So do not rely on such old dated systems and do not just sit in the corner and cry. No, take your smartphone, Download a Bitcoin app and offer your product or your service for Bitcoin, receive it as a donation. And most importantly, the best way to make it is to work for it. You can be a translator, you can be in the marketing, you can be in uh, software development, and you can get paid in cryptocurrencies. I did that in 2015. And when I did that in 2015, people were mocking me. They say, yeah, you're taking uh, magic money. You cannot do anything with it. If you're lucky, you can get a pizza. When I did my TEDx talk and I said, 290 million children do not have an ID, do not have a birth certificate, and that's why they cannot go to school, nobody said, yeah, we can, we will put them in uh, online uh, platforms to study. It was so ridiculous, that idea. But today, the, we study online, we work online, and we want to transact online the same way we communicate. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. There is a platform for you to talk to, to express your feelings and with total freedom. Even if you're Syria, in Syria, you use VPN to move around all these restrictions. And today we are using cryptocurrencies to move around these restrictions. And suddenly you will see more and more and more people leapfrogging into this new type of money.
2: Thank you, Tay. I think I think we must finish there. Um, it's been fascinating. But perhaps you could just tell us if people want to know more, because there's obviously so much more to learn and to think about. We, what are reliable sources? Because I think there's a lot of information out there on these topics. They're very popular. Where can people go and there, feel sure that they're getting an honest... 100%.
1: Uh, First of all, they can uh, reach out to me uh, personally. Uh, I do give one-on-one uh, sessions where we go deeper and deeper into the whole Bitcoin blockchain uh, economy. Uh, Definitely they can watch YouTube videos. My favorite are always for Andreas Antonopoulos. Uh, And finally, if they are looking for like an academic career or an academic future into uh, this technology, University of Nicosia, they hold what we call the MOOC programs, they're free programs for 12 weeks. You will study with the top professors around the world and you can get your certificate from them with an intro to digital currencies. And after that, you could pursue like what I did, my master's or your master's in digital currencies and blockchain. I
0: think it's awesome what you can do with uh, blockchain nowadays and and Bitcoin. I think it's a nice example. And uh, thank you so much again, Tay, for joining us. Uh, It it has been an absolute delight.
2: Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: And I hope that other people found it as interesting as we did. And if they want to find out more, I'm sure that we're going to do another episode sometime soon about uh, this topic. Uh, um, so, so stay tuned for that. You can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook to, to stay tuned with future episodes that we do. And uh, we'll see you back, uh, dear listener, next week, same time.